Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Happy Thursday. It's Friday, Junior. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited to be here. And today, as I was gathering my supplies for the show, I was a little torn because clearly you know where my heart goes. My heart is always with George Santos. And George Santos, the Republican congressman from New York, is under fire. He's kind of always under fire. And he was outside the Capitol on the steps today giving a press conference. And I'm going to be real with you. Am I biased? Yes. Okay. Do, do, I have, uh, do I have a little bit of a dog in this fight? Yes. But I thought he knocked it out of the park. I thought he did a very good job. He laid out a couple of points I really liked. And again, it goes back to you can take issue with things that George Santos has done. I'm not saying he's squeaky clean. He certainly I understand everybody wants to nitpick at me. He certainly has a checkered past. But is he any worse than any of the other people in Congress? And I was so proud of him. I felt like a stage mother. I was so proud of him when he brought up Jamal Bowman. I was like, how did I not think of this? Yes. Yes, sir. And we will get to that. We will get to it. He's a riot. It was a fabulous speech. And uh, so I was kind of torn. I was like, oh, I want to start with Santos. But the thing about George Santos, and Jared can attest to this, He's evergreen. You know, he never goes out of style. So we can get to that later in the show, and it's still going to hold up just as much as it does right now. Um, I did want to mention, though, the tree lighting in New York City and Rockefeller Center. And actually, to my last point, George Santos brought that up as well, which I thought was a brilliant move. And I got to talk about this because if you haven't heard, the pro-Palestinian, and I think we're being very generous when we call these protesters the pro-Palestinian protesters, because I've made very clear, I do not like to see innocent civilians killed ever in any situation, and I don't think that by just labeling yourself pro-Palestinian, when really you seem to be supporting Hamas, carrying swastikas, you know, saying from the river to the sea, all of these kind of things that we know are anti-Semitic slogans, I don't consider that being pro-Palestinian. And I do think that differentiating between those two things matters. But they swarm Sixth Avenue to try to to try their best to try to ruin the famous Big Apple tradition, the tree lighting. And there were some really great quotes in the New York Post from people who had been who were going to the tree lighting for fun. You know, remember that? Remember fun? They were going there to enjoy themselves, to get into the Christmas spirit And keep in mind, the New York Post is located in News Corp, in the News Corp building, which is right next to the tree. So they also recently had the pleasure of dealing with these nuts, not just at the tree lighting, but before that, when they showed up at News Corp to riot or protest or whatever you want to call it. So there are some great quotes in here that I really loved from people who were here to have a little fun. Okay, so it was it was complete chaos. That was according to um, one of the cops who was caught in the fray. And then they have this quote from Jamie Fry, 
who flew in from the United Kingdom to watch the tree lighting spectacle, and he said the protest was very annoying. I had planned, now if I were Howie Carr, I'd put on a British accent. I'm not going to subject you all to that. But this was Jamie Fry, okay? He said, I had planned my holiday around this event, being a big fan of Christmas. Now I'm walled in by a bunch of terrorist-loving bleeps calling for intifada. Their strategy for sympathy is disruption. But all they get out of me is a big bleep you. Love that quote. Okay, that's So I read that. I go, oh, that's going to be hard to beat. Then I see this quote. This is from Opal Burnett. And she's from Missouri. Or as Joe Biden would call it, Missouri. This is what she said. It's super, super annoying. It's just excruciating. Seeing these people in such large numbers, it makes me feel embarrassed to be an American because people are watching this happening from abroad. Kudos to the cops for keeping, keeping these people under control and for showing restraint because they deal with a lot of verbal, verbal abuse. Um, later, another person from the Bronx said, politics has no place at an event like this, but that's exactly why they do it, to disrupt the status quo, to ruin the things we cherish and take comfort in. Yeah. And I would agree with that. And so I'm thinking about this, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these same people, which I've pointed out before, but it's worth reiterating. If you made a Venn diagram, there would be a lot of overlap with the people demanding from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free. And the people demanding Biden cancel their student loan debt. Because, of course, we should be letting these indoctrinated hateful bigots ruin Christmas tree lightings and Thanksgiving Day parades without the burden of debt hanging over their heads, over their woke, enlightened heads. That's no fair. How can they be expected to give everything they have to being useless, vile pains in the asses if they have to worry about paying back their student loans? Their loans, by the way, for bachelor degrees in, get this, being useless, hateful, vile pains in the asses but there's another part of it that infuriates me and i was i was yesterday i was like working through this i was driving home i was like what what really ticks me off about this and then it dawned on me that a lot of these young people who are gathering en masse to ruin these nice events these are the same woke virtue signaling rioters that spend every waking hour of their day trying to find something to be afraid of. I'm afraid of, you've heard it a million times, I'm so terrified, you see it on MSNBC, I'm terrified of Trump supporters, there's racist dog whistles, I'm afraid of the undertones of the subtle bigotry of the TV host or the movie or the book that I don't like. I'm offended by the microaggressions and the and the rhetoric and the lack of inclusion and the sexism and the racism and the homophobia and the transphobia. And I'm not saying that those things don't exist. But these people spend their lives trying to find some way to be a victim, trying to find some way to feel as though some great injustice has been perpetrated against them. And the reason I point this out is because these same people who wilt at like an old tweet from 2011 that sends them into that sends them into a complete breakdown <sighs> this football player had an old tweet from 2010 and it was misogynistic and he's going to get a contract these same people they feel nothing nothing 
for children who watched their parents murdered in front of them, for women who were brutally raped and then killed, for people whose bodies were mutilated in unfathomable ways. They feel nothing for that. These people who have complete mental breakdowns when you misgender them, they go into a state of panic when Ben Shapiro or Riley Gaines shows up on campus to speak at their schools. They have to have a safe space. They have to have a comfort puppy. These people are silent when faced with real evil, not imagined evil, not hypothetical evil, not evil that you read about in your textbooks from from whatever school, but evil that is unadulterated and right in your face and, and current. It's happening right now. Evil that ruins people. You see these little kids, these videos of these kids coming back from the tunnels and you see and you look at them and their eyes, they are damaged. They will never be the same. They are forever scarred because of monsters, savages, brutality, actual violence. And these spoiled, rotten, coddled people who make TikToks about how the cashier at Trader Joe's didn't realize that I identify as a cat. Those people that they can't drum up a tiny bit of sympathy that they give to every other cause under the flipping sun, they cannot find it right now. And these are the same groups, by the way, these sophisticated progressives that want to look at us and call us deplorable and call us morally bankrupt or repugnant. Yeah, worthless. The whole lot of them, absolutely worthless. Just so disappointing. And I agree with that lady. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to think that this is what, I don't know if it's the education system, I don't know if it's the internet, if it's indoctrination, but what an absolute shame to think that this is what people, and and the scary part, they think they're on the right side of this thing. They're holding up swastikas, and, and they're chanting from the river to the sea, and they think that they are the heroes in this. It's just terrible. 844-500-4242. We'll be right back. I want to let everybody know that if you are trying to sell your property, there's a really great way to go about it that a lot of people don't take advantage of. And the answer is really simple because the world's most valuable assets and commodities are often sold at auction. Auction is the best tool to determine the highest price a market will pay for an asset. So if you're talking about cars, artwork, whatever it is, people oftentimes use an auction. But then when it comes to their property, they... I don't know if it's like a stigma associated with it. They don't really focus on that when they should because auctions set the price around the globe. So you should sell your most valuable asset in a well-marketed and competitive auction. Well-marketed is key. And that's what I love about JJ Manning auctioneers. They use a 30-30 marketing plan. So they've got 30 days of marketing and 30 days to close. It's a great recipe and it's worked for over 16,000 auctions. That's right. They've got 16,000 auctions under their belt and your property could be the next one. Your property becomes their most important project. There's so many benefits to selling 
a piece of real estate through auction. I'm just going to name three. You set the terms, you sell contingency free, and the buyer pays all commissions. There's no haggling. There's no changing of the deal. To learn more on how to get your commercial, residential, or land property sold quickly, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111 or visit jjmanning.com. Call Charlie today at 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com and get your real estate sold. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. Look at this, Jared. Look at this Chiron on Fox. It says, advocacy groups turn blind eye to Jewish victims. It's like they're listening to our show. I was just talking about this. Where are all the... You know, I keep going back to this cut in my mind from, from yesterday that we played of this woman from the UN when asked about condemning Hamas because of all their brutal rapes of women. She's, I guess she's some uh, supporter of women. And this woman for... What felt like three hours tried to avoid condemning Hamas, because I guess that's really a difficult thing for some uh, very intelligent people to do. The U.N., by the way, talk about worthless, took them about 50 days to finally condemn what happened on October 7th. Great job, guys. I'm so and you know what a great point the other day. I think it was was it Maria Maria Bartiroma? Um, Someone on Fox had said. When the U.N. comes to New York City and it's like they they wreak havoc, not only on the traffic, but we all read the stories about the hookers and all these things. This is what it's for. It's for when a, a massive tragedy and atrocity occurs. They can all just you know stay silent. They can all just uh, blame Israel, blame the Jews. This is what the U.N. is good for. 844-500-4242. Well, you have to crack down on Americans eating beef climate change race I mean, before you can worry about silly things like that come on the climate Priorities. change the climate change conversation jared every day that goes by it amazes me that we're still having this conversation and i know it's such a money maker for all of these grifters like megan and harry and john Kerry. but it amazes me because i always thought there'd be a moment where we all wake up and kind of go you know what we got bigger things to worry about sure maybe the planet will will try to be a little bit nicer to the planet but we don't have time to be getting lectured from people who fly on private planes but no they keep going they're coming up with new organizations they're coming up with new ways and i said this over the weekend to my dad i said dad I don't really travel ever. Like once, maybe once a year, I'll go to Florida or something. But it, everything's pretty domestic. And I said, I'm probably, I deserve all of the awards. Like I should be the one getting the awards at these climate summits over Bill Gates or over Meghan Markle. Because in my lifetime, I have done more to save the planet by not flying on private planes than they have. Really, like, if you are someone who hasn't flown on a private plane 30 times in your life... It's the only choice for somebody like me. And I'm giving you one or two times. Like, you go ahead. Once or twice, you go on a private plane. But if you are somebody who doesn't make a habit out of flying private, you are a bigger 
climate warrior than Meghan Markle. So I don't understand why she has this platform to lecture me about saving the planet. It's like, sister, girl, I'm saving the planet. Harry, you're you're not. You're part of the problem. Wait, what? I'll make I'll make a deal. I'll have one less hamburger a week until 2030, and then if we're all still here, all you climate people have to shut up at that point and buy you all the hamburgers and that you left out. Yes, buy me whatever 52, what over six years, whatever 52 times six is. We're radio people. For, we're not yeah, mathematicians. I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete, not a math. You know? <laughs> Actually, yeah, neither. But but it's weird to me that this is still something that's going on. Like this is one of the biggest scams. Uh, when we look back in ten years, I hope we'll be looking back on this and on gender affirming health care. Two hundred and two burgers. Did the math? That took you. Yeah. Okay. It took me a while. You have, what is that? A calculator in your hands? Come on, man. No, that was off the top of the head. Great. <laughs> but out of all the things we talk about, gender-affirming health care, climate change, like I think we are going to look back on this. Maybe it will be 100 years until people look back on it and go, whew. Uh, no, but it's 312. Never mind. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Okay, now you're Here's just- a calculator that time. <laughs> now you're just embarrassing yourself, sir. Uh, today's poll question is brought to you by Perfect Smiles. Don't be fooled by imposters with similar names. If you're unhappy with your smile, you need to visit Dr. Bruce Houghton in Nashua. Call one 844 perfect smile or visit perfectsmiles.com. All right, so I was reading The Hill today, and it was talking about how the likelihood that there will be debates- is kind of slim right now, and I'm talking about general election debates. And it's for a few different reasons, but as you can imagine, Trump didn't debate the current GOP candidates. Biden has no interest in debating anybody except for maybe a bowl of ice cream. So I just don't think it's going to happen. But I wanted to know what the audience thinks, because the the debate commission, or whatever they're called, they've set forth a couple of dates. I, I think it's like wishful thinking at this point. Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is do you think 2024 general election debates will happen? No. 72% of the audience agrees with you. 28% think they'll still happen. I guess a a huge part of it is the moderators. Like Trump's team is not going to be happy with whatever moderators Biden's team is happy with. But I also, I, I used to be such a proponent of debates and I did feel, and if people disagree with this, you know, you can call in, but I did feel that that was one of Trump's biggest mistakes in 2020 during those debates was that he did not let Joe Biden talk enough. Like that was the one time you had a lot of eyeballs on Joe and he kind of, he kind of dropped the ball there. But now just the way even the media landscape has changed and, and the way people are consuming information, I don't really know if there is a point. I don't know if it's going to change any hearts and minds to have the two on a debate stage. Selfishly, for my line of work, would I like to see it? Heck yes. But I, I don't know. I don't know if either of these guys will see it in their best interest. I know Biden's camp. We, I was shocked they did two debates. They had agreed to three in 2020, and I think they ended up doing two. And I was shocked by that. So going forward, his people don't want him to debate. They don't even want him to walk outside. They don't even want him to to sing happy birthday because he messes it up. So they definitely don't want him on a stage for like two and a half hours talking to Donald Trump. That is the stuff of nightmares for them. And Trump's people, they might look at it and say, hey, we're doing pretty well. We, we don't want it either. I don't know. I, I just in my in my bones, 
I don't think it's going to happen. 844-500-4242. Okay, when we get back, we will continue to talk about the Christmas tree lighting, how these how these jerks just keep ruining things. And they think that it's like winning people over. Oh, let's, let's sit around and think about what people enjoy and let's ruin it. And the other thing I want to discuss is George Santos because he made quite... He made quite a stink on the stairs of the Capitol, and I think he did a pretty good job making his case. We'll play some sound from it when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Today's a sound day. There's no question about it. Between the New York Times' uh, deal book summit, where not only did Kamala Harris get interviewed, but Elon Musk got interviewed, and he had my favorite line of the day, which he told to advertisers who are trying to blackmail him to basically do what they want on Twitter. He just he had a great line. We will get to that. We'll get to Kamala Harris. She was trying to explain how you know nothing's wrong with Joe. He thinks the VP doth protest too much. But uh, one thing that I I immediately thought of when I was listening to Kamala Harris is they have no backup plan. Like, she just keeps saying, oh, well, that's not going to happen. And I was reading today this story from Reuters. And take a listen to this sentence. So it says, Democrats, this is the headline, Democrats have no Biden backup plan for 2024 despite age concerns. Then it says, Biden loyalists, citing his record in office, argue that the party does not need a backup plan to defeat Donald Trump. And I'm thinking to myself, it's always good to have a backup plan. Like, even if you had a candidate. Even if it's Bailey Zappi, it's always good to have a backup plan. Even if you had a Tom Brady that you knew, you have a backup plan. Even if everything's going swimmingly, if everything's perfect, if you've got a guy who's like a real contender, you know, who's, who's working the room and owns it and has control of all his faculties and can get everybody's name right and doesn't need the Easter Bunny to lead him around and doesn't shake hands with ghosts, even if you are checking all of those boxes, you've got a guy who's not sniffing people's hair and not starting creepy conversations with children. Even if you had that guy, wouldn't you still have a backup plan? But no, they're like, we don't need it. We laugh in the face of backup plans. Okay, that's your strategy. It's a bold strategy. We'll see how it works out for you. 844-500. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. You know what? That could be the unspoken backup plan. They don't need a backup plan because they always have plan C. And that is exactly what Joe was just talking about. Um, we're going to talk about George Santos here, but let's take a couple calls here first. Kevin, you're next up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Kevin. Good afternoon, Grace. Nice to hear your voice. You as well. Um, I'm, I am calling because you're talking about you know, the debate, and you say you know, that they, can't, they wouldn't be able to do it because Trump's group won't approve a moderator and vice versa. Why don't they have one from each party? as a moderator. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. And Vivek brought up during the last debates, the RNC debates, that they should have like Musk and Joe Rogan and all these people. And I do think that if Trump could approve of somebody and Biden could approve of somebody, then maybe that would work. But I don't know if the other one would. I I don't know. I I don't know if these two can agree on moderators. But here's what it said in The Hill. 
It said one of the most serious problems faced by the CPD, which is the Commission on Presidential Debates, is the moderators. Journalist moderators have been chosen for these debates for decades. The problem with moderators are twofold. So it explains how, first of all, the journalists have now come to occupy a prominent argumentative position in the debates, which they didn't up until recently. Um, It said in the 1990s, and this gives you a comparison. I found this stat to be pretty amazing. It says in the 1990s, journalist moderators would occupy roughly 5% of the speaking time in debates. In the most recent series, moderator Chris Wallace consumed more than 25% of the speaking time. That's a lot of Chris Wallace. That's a lot of Chris Wallace if you're watching Chris Wallace. But if you're watching a debate and you want to hear from Trump or you want to hear from Biden, it's too much. It's too much Wallace. What's the name of his show? Look Who's Talking or something? It's too much of Look Who's Talking. Um, But I do think that that's a huge problem. And when it comes to the 2024 debates, I don't think that's the only problem here. I think the problem is that you're going to have two candidates who don't really have any interest, who, who might not see the benefit for either of them. And as someone who has enjoyed debates in the past and playing, you know, drinking games when you watch debates and seeing how many times this person says this or this person says that, it's kind of a bummer, but it might be the end of debates. And it also says this. This was going to be the poll question. It says, here's how we can save this valuable tradition. Is it a valuable tradition? Like maybe at one point it was, but I've been watching these RNC debates. I don't think they're extremely valuable. I think now... And you can blame it on the internet, maybe, but now people are just looking to get a 15-second cut that goes viral so they can start selling some t-shirts about it. Like, that little girl was me. And then Kamala Harris puts her picture of herself on a t-shirt and raises a couple of thousand bucks for her campaign. But as far as Grace Curley goes, is that how is that valuable to me? Did I learn anything? No. 844-500-4242. Okay, we will come back right in, in just one second here to your calls, but I do want to I do want to talk a little bit about George Santos because I got calls this morning from friends of mine who who caught this live and they said Santos is on fire. And as someone who works with such Santos stands, we call them Stantos in the office, it feels like my responsibility to play this and to give him a platform here. So George Santos is explaining why his expulsion would set a dangerous precedent. And I want to start with the last cut, Jared, because he does explain it pretty well. This is cut 18. Obviously, uh, some want to cling to some circumstances and to allegations, but there's been a long-standing precedent in the House that every single member that's ever been expelled, and they are trying to join me to the group of three Confederates and two people convicted in a court of law. So if I am to get expelled tomorrow, I will be number six in the history, the first Republican and the only one without a conviction or without being part of a, uh, or without having committed treason. So that's that's kind of where we stand today on, on that sense. That is extreme. The first without a conviction. And you know what? Why not just wait? Why not just wait? We let everybody else, Jared, innocent until proven guilty. If they have all these things about George Santos that they, and they have him dead to right and there's no way that he's innocent and he's buying Botox and he's playing, what is it? Is it craps or is it roulette? roulette? He's a roulette fanatic and he's going to Vegas and he's, he's uh, making OnlyFans or watching OnlyFans. Then let it play out. What, convict him. Convict him and then toss him out. And by the way, I love the fact that he starts rattling off some of the other members of Congress who don't exactly have pristine records. Because you can say it's whataboutism, 
but I don't care anymore. Uh, maybe I'm a what about her, but I think it's the only way to hold people accountable. It's like holding you to your own standards is all we have. You set the rules here. We're just playing by them. If you're cool with Jamal Bowman pulling the fire alarm and coming back the next day and nobody takes any issue with it, if you're cool with Elizabeth Warren pretending to be a Native American, if you're cool with Dick Stolen uh, Valor Blumenthal, then I'm cool with George Santos. Maybe I'm just not as scrupled as some of the people on the left. Let's have uh, George Santos cut 14, please. We have a member of Congress that earlier this year took a plea deal to obstructing a congressional hearing. That's not the plea deal he took, right? I'm kidding. He took a plea deal for pulling a fire alarm, a fire alarm which obstructed and delayed an official hearing and proceeding on the House floor. Now, had that been any other person, had it been one of the members of the media, had it been a Republican member of Congress, we all know that that person would have been filed, would have been charged with obstructing a congressional hearing, just like the somewhat 140 people sitting in prison right now because of January 6th. But Jamal Bowman gets a pass. That's why today at noon, I'm going to be introducing a privileged motion for expulsion of convicted and uh, guilty pleaded uh, Congressman Jamal Bowman. And I stand there. I think that that's consistency. Let's hold our own accountable, but let's make sure that we do it with the president of the House. I love it. I love it. And you know what? He's right. You're not expelling me. I'm expelling you. They're all crooks. I mean, all of these politicians in Congress are crooks in one way or the other. And so what? His 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 crimes, if, if you can even convict him, which you haven't yet. But the things people are accusing him of, they're a little bit uh, he's a little bit less sneaky about it. I'll give you that. I don't think he covers his tracks as well because he's he's probably not as well versed in scamming people as some of our politicians. I mean, it's not like he slept with a Chinese spy. Right. I mean, let's... All I'm asking for... I'm not asking for any sort of special treatment of George Santos. All I'm asking for is perspective. Okay? What's what's more dangerous? Someone who obstructs the proceedings in Congress by pulling a fire alarm? Or someone who likes roulette? I, I, don't make me the judge, because I, I don't think you'd like my answer on that. I'd also like uh, George Santos, his next cut, because he mentions two things that I think are important to talk about, which is the border and also the pro-Palestinian disruptions at the tree lighting. He was really, Jared, he was throwing everything in the blender today. Oh, yeah. He was like, give me all the buzzwords, because we're going for it. This is cut 15. Meanwhile, we have... Secretary Mayorkas, who's committed absolute dereliction of his duty, has put all Americans in danger. If you saw last night, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting, which is something that for years has been one of the most beautiful celebrations in New York City, most peaceful, crowded, yes. But yesterday we had a band of vandals who thought it was appropriate to fight the NYPD. This is what took place just yesterday, and that's on Secretary Mayorkas because a lot of these people, they're not here because they love this country. They're not here because they want the best for this country. Why are they here? It's starting from inside, and that's what you get when you have open borders and an administration that is oblivious to the real issue that's taking place. Yeah, I would say what he's trying now is some redirection. He's saying, you know what, the cameras are on me. So I'm going to redirect it towards other things. And you know who could actually take a page out of his book? You're not going to believe I'm going to say this. Donald Trump. Donald Trump oftentimes has the cameras on him. Oftentimes he has people who want to hear what he, he has to say. 
he could do a little bit more of that too and say, hey, I'm, I'm glad you're all here. I'm glad you all have the cameras. Now let's talk about this. Let's talk about the open borders. Let's talk about the demonstrators. I actually thought that was a masterclass in getting the press to cover something that otherwise they wouldn't be covering. So George Santos, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to survive this, but I applaud him for trying. And every time I see him in his maroon colored suits, I think, what's that rascal up to today? 844-500-4242. John, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, John. Hey, Grace, you're absolutely right about Santos and the Republicans are feckless if they don't stand up for him. And the other thing is we, about Joe Biden, we got to get off Joe Biden being a bumbling fool. I mean, he can do it for the show and clips and stuff, but we got to tell the real truth. The guy's evil. The guy is a liberal and he pushes all the liberal agendas for votes. He's evil. He's a bad old guy, and that's what he was when he was young, a bad young guy. Now he's a bad old guy that does stupid crap that people say, oh, he's just old. No, he's a bad old guy. Thank you, Grace. Yeah, John, I always say that's one of the biggest lies that has been pushed by the media is that Joe Biden is some sort of, you know, compassionate empathizer in chief. No, when he drops the mask, not the COVID mask, but, you know, the figurative mask he is a jerk he's not even good at hiding it anymore but he's always been a jerk and he's always been someone who has a glass jaw a massive ego and i think that right now too when you read these things about the hunter joe influence peddling scheme which by the way there was a very interesting banknote that was put out there a bank record from 2018. It was an email written by a money laundering investigator. And Catherine Herridge, who's now at CBS, she used to be at Fox, she put this out. And I think that when you talk about the arrogance of the Biden family, it plays into the sloppiness of a lot of what they were doing. Because in this letter, and you guys should check it out, it's on Twitter. It shows the email. This is from Nick Arema from Red State. The email uh, termed the entity high risk. It noted that $5 million from the Northern International Capital Holdings funded 16 wires connected to uh, a Wasco PC, Hunter Biden's law firm. The payments were indicated as management fees and reimbursements. It says they found it unusual. So this is the money laundering investigator from 2018. They found it unusual that 58% of the funds went to a law firm in the course of just a few months. Payments appear erratic. And this, despite the fact that Hudson West didn't appear to have any current investment projects. So there was no current apparent business purpose. There was also no services rendered by the law firm. The email also noted there was negative news about extravagant spending by the beneficial owner of Owasco PC who would be Hunter Biden, including drugs, strip clubs, prostitutes, etc., that could leave his family in a financial hole. And this is just one of several suspicious activity reports that Hunter Biden accrued over his years. And I think that as we find out more information from Comer and from this oversight committee, you're going to start to notice that they didn't cover up their tracks that well. And again, you know what? Again, it ties back to George Santos. I didn't even mean to do it, but it ties back to George Santos because you're looking now at scam artists. You're looking at Hunter Biden, who's trying to look at you with a straight face. He started painting, what, five years ago, and he's selling artwork for $500,000. He's getting diamonds in hotel rooms. 
he's a lawyer and an artist and he's living in these giant L.A. pads. And then he's also asking the court in Arkansas to reduce his child support payments. And the the Democrats are saying there's nothing there. There's nothing there. He wasn't using. Oh, his father was vice president. He wasn't using it. He wasn't influence peddling. He was just flying on Air Force Two. There was no funny business going on. But George Santos bought some Botox and misused his campaign funds. Big whoop. Where are the diamonds? Show me George Santos getting a giant diamond in a Chinese hotel. And then maybe I'll care about it. Until then, Santos, rock on. That's what I say. You know, Jared, it's it's heading into the crazy holiday season. And I personally get very stressed out around this time of year trying to check off all the Christmas lists, trying to check off all the Christmas parties and events that you have it can get overwhelming and sometimes when I get overwhelmed I'm like you know what I just need a weekend away to unplug to relax and unwind and I asked you the other day I said Jared when you went away to the Nossa Beach Inn when you came back did you feel relaxed and you said probably the most relaxed you felt since yeah it is the most tranquil place that I've ever been I, I say that and I mean it it's the entire ambiance of being on the beach on the Cape in winter is fantastic uh, the the rooms are comfortable and cozy and quaint, and your steps from the beach, you can hear the ocean. You can sit outside with fire pits when it gets a little cool. If it's too cold, you can go inside, and there's a fireplace in the room, which just adds to the coziness. Every room has a picture window. It's fantastic. We went down there. Um, we watched the sunrise, which was fantastic, next to the fire pits and had our morning coffee. You can see stars at night. You can watch the moon rise. Uh, we went down during this season and the, uh, the Christmas trees were up. It's just a great feel. It is basically, if you wanted to encapsulate the best of New England, it is right there. And it's just a, a short drive for most of us. And right now you can stay at the Nossa Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. Don't delay because these rooms go fast. Go to NossetBeachInn.com to reserve your ocean view room. That's NossetBeachInn.com. We'll be right back. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back to The Grace Curley Show. We're talking about everything from Israel and Hamas to George Santos, because he is not going anywhere. Uh, but let's go to the callers now. Jay, you are next up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Jay. Hey, Grace, you're on fire today, kid. Thank you. Uh, before I talk about Israel, though, I want to say <clears throat> maybe George Sanders should pull the alarm. And like a piece on a chessboard, you lose the queen, but you take three pieces off the board on the on the Democratic side. Could be a possibility, but um, I tweeted on True Social that Donald Trump was a man of the people, and I think Elon Musk is also that way, too. Grace, before I say what I want to say, I want a disclaimer. I'm not bloodthirsty and I'm not a warmonger, but I think this truce in Israel is doing them no good. Uh, that baby that was killed, that Hamas said it was, it was a bomb explosion. Right. I really believe that. They, they, they decimated countless babies, beheaded them and, and dismembered them. And this one is not on us, says Hamas. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And you know what? Hamas has lied about so much so far. So I saw a lot of uh, Jewish influencers yesterday saying, let's pray to God that they're lying about this little 10 month old baby being uh, dead. But I also would add this in. 
you know, to your point, Jay, the ceasefire now crowd, like the Cynthia Nixons who are all, oh, I'm going on a hunger strike, ceasefire, ceasefire. The ceasefire has already been broken multiple times. The terms of the ceasefire that you're all like clamoring for, Hamas has proudly broken a number of times. In fact, the leader of Hamas said that everyone should know that October 7th was just a rehearsal. Any response, Cynthia Nixon? We'll talk about that when we come back.